We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Mike McGlinchey in San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I am joined, as always, by Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. It is Monday. Kyle, how's your how's your week going so far? I, I certainly can't complain. I uh, got some good news at work that I can't really talk about, but uh, that's, that, that's a positive. And now we get to talk Niners and uh, continue our free agency preview, which is fun. Yeah, before, before we do that, can I ask you how the uh, NHL All-Star game was? Man, love hockey, dude. I, you know, it was just a lot of hockey going on, a lot of hockey players there, hockey fans everywhere. Sweaters galore, like you wouldn't believe. Man, hockey. Were, were, you, <laughs> were you fortunate enough to go in uh, in a hockey locker room? No, I, I passed on that experience based on the based on the negative reviews it got (laughs) and i didn't have to my boss my boss told me i got credentialed and he was like yeah you know if you want to do some social media but we're not going to assign anything to you like just go and hang out um and you know if something interesting happens you know you can do something with it but um so i just i just went kind of for the experience and to see what was going on i I uh, walked around the concourse and walked around the outside of the of the arena and just kind of took in the sights and sounds and it was a it was a good time. Yeah, so I at a previous job I I worked a couple Sharks games and the media seating in the tank is like you're literally in the rafters. Yeah, it's and weird. And you're like you're on top of the ice but you're basically in the ceiling. You like can't even see the the press seating from like seats in the crowd. It's like very strange. Uh, it's almost like they completely forgot about like where to put the media when they when they initially designed the place. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, 
the worst smelling uh, experience I've ever had since becoming a sports journalist was going into a a hockey locker room. Mm. Um, And it's just kind of like, it's kind of like if you stuck your head in your gym bag after doing like two hours of cardio with all your, with all your clothes in there, it's not awesome. Um, Yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah. So you didn't really miss out on that much, but Let's get to our topic for today. We're going to continue our our free agent discussion, uh, which we started last week, and and we broke down where the 49ers are at with receivers and a few different receiver options that could hit the free agent market in March. Uh, we did that last week, so if you haven't listened to that podcast, check it out. Uh, this I believe week, it's episode. I believe it's episode ten. Okay, episode ten. This is episode eleven. Yeah. Okay. Episode 11. Uh, we are going to do edge rushers today and, um, edge rushers, obviously a very important position for the 49ers. Uh, it's probably going to be an area they address early in the draft with their number two overall pick. But Kyle, I think you and I are both of the mind that the 49ers need to address the edge with multiple assets this off season, whether that's in free agency or the draft or both. Um, and I'm inclined to think they're going to add two players along the edge, either at, at that Sam linebacker position or Leo defensive end, uh, which can be one in the same, particularly in sub packages. It's uh, we've talked about it before, but in sub packages, the Niners just have two defensive ends. It's a four down front. Um, Sam and Leo is is a setup for base downs. And I think th- those are are probably talked about more often than they should be just because um, base defense is used um, the least amount of, of all the, you know, defensive formations. So, um, but I would imagine both, both positions get addressed this off season. And just what's, what's your take on, on how the 49ers should approach the edges on, on defense this off season. Yeah. I don't think they can add too many players there. I think they need both starting caliber players because I don't think they have any, and then depth is vital as well. We've seen multiple Super Bowl teams just have a bevy of players who can get to the quarterback off the edge, and that continues to prove year in and year out to be the most important facet of a defense is disrupting the quarterback and doing so from the edges. You know, getting pressure up the middle is great, but if they can just sidestep it and escape the pocket because there's nobody uh, creating pressure from the outside, that pass rush up the middle isn't as effective. And I think we saw that a little bit with the 49ers this year. So yeah, I, I expect them to go after the the edge spots, both uh, defensive end and outside linebacker, I guess, if you want to whittle it down to those terms. And I think they go get multiple starters and maybe even a couple of, of backups as well. Yeah, so one thing that that has to be factored into the, the discussion when it comes to edge defender is what exactly the 49ers do with Eric Armstead. And and I know we've talked about it before, but he's due a, a $9 million fifth-year option, which is fully guaranteed. And we've talked about the idea of maybe giving him uh, a multi-year extension, maybe something that's two years that guarantees more than $9 million, but offers the 49ers a little bit of insurance because he's had so many injury uh, issues over the last few years. Not last year. Last year was the first time he played 16 games since his rookie season. His second and third year, I think he missed 18 games combined. Um, but you look at the 49ers 
just where they're at. Obviously, they have DeForest Buckner, who's their best player in their defensive front. 53 total pressures, according to, to Pro Football Focus. Cassius Marsh was second on the team with 39, and, and Pro Football Focus is, is crediting him with seven sacks. Um, that number, just just at first blush, seems a little bloated to me. Uh, I, I know, you know, without going back and looking into each individual game log, I feel like four of his sacks came in two games, one against the Raiders. Um, and another one I'm blanking on when it was late in the season, but, um, you know, we, we look, I at, think we had a couple against the Rams. Okay. The Rams in week 17. Um, yeah. And Ronald Blair, you know, credited with, with eight sacks on, on pro football focuses grading. I think the, the NFL standard, uh, statistics had him with five and a half, which was a good, which is a good season. But, um, you know, I don't know if you go into the off season thinking, okay, we have Ronald Blair, we're we're set. I, I think he can be a good rotational player and, and someone you have for depth. But ideally, he might be a guy who's only active. And I, I sort of think the same way about Cassius Marsh. If if you're, you know, if you have a good defensive line and Cassius Marsh and Ronald Blair are sort of rounding out that group, you really only want to have guys like that active on game day if you're dealing with injuries at the position. Otherwise, you know, I think you could do better. And ideally, if the 49ers, you know, are are fielding a defense that's good enough for them to compete for a playoff spot. That's sort of the case. And that's why we talk about, you know, adding multiple edge defenders this off season. I, I agree completely with that. I do think, and I know this is nitpicking and not your point, but I do think Ronald Blair can be like a rotational player on a good defensive line. But your point stands that if the 49ers are going to be competitive next year, both for a playoff spot and for a championship, they, they have to get better at getting to the getting to the quarterback off the edge and and that's going to take multiple players okay so what the 49ers have uh they have eric armstead who who moves outside and and inside same with solomon thomas cassius marsh is a is a sub player who plays on the edge uh ronald blair can can play big end and base uh is also somebody who can move inside and outside but i think he's probably uh been used more often outside for the 49ers Dakota Watson a special teams guy he dealt with a lot of injuries last year um played defensive end was was a Sam linebacker previously but moved to defensive end exclusively last year Pita Talmoy Penu uh, a sixth round draft pick in 2017 really hasn't done much it's still looking for his first NFL sack and and Mark and Zacha will include this group as a Sam linebacker I guess we could include Malcolm Smith from that standpoint too um, and that's what the 49ers have. I, I rank it. We, we did this last week with receivers. We said, you know, that was a four star need out of five. I think the edge for the 49ers is a five star need. Um, and Kyle, I, I, I would assume you agree with that. You just you just wrote Kyle agree on the rundown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think that I was would a carry over from last week. So I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I would like to add one star because of how big of a need this is for the 49ers. You want it to be a six-star need? I'm going to make it a six out of five stars. That's right. Okay, that's fair. Um, the fact it, It's just the fact that it went unaddressed for the most part last year, and then having John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan both at separate points come out and talk about how it's the most important position on a defense. Kyle Shanahan equated it to the importance of a quarterback on offense. They, they, have, to, they have to address that spot this offseason – multiple times yeah and there there are 37 sacks were tied for the seventh fewest in the nfl um the teams that were at the top of the league in sacks 
uh, maybe with the exception of the Steelers and Vikings, you know, the, those teams generally were, were some of the best. The Chiefs tied with the Steelers with 52 sacks for the NFL lead, uh, obviously balancing out the Patrick Mahomes-led offense with a defense that can get after the quarterback is super important. And, you know, Justin Houston and Dee Ford, who, who we're going to talk about here shortly, uh, led the way with, with along with Chris Jones along the interior. The Bears were number four in the league, or actually tied with the Vikings, uh, the second most with 50 sacks. Obviously, Khalil Mack played a huge role in that. The New Orleans Saints were six in the league, 49 sacks. Um, the Denver Broncos, 44. Philadelphia Eagles, 44. Baltimore Ravens, 43. Basically, there's there's a pretty strong correlation between um, you know going to the playoffs or or having a good enough defense with just sack totals. And I know a lot of people are going to talk about sack rate and pressure rate and some more advanced metrics and things like that. But I think where the, where the 49ers are coming from their from their standpoint, they can ignore those numbers because I mean, the, 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 the bottom line is that the advanced metrics, the regular metrics, they're all going to point to the same thing and say the 49ers just need to get better at rushing the passer off the edge, because that's really where the most effective pass rush comes from uh, because it's out of the quarterback's periphery it's it's a way to contain the quarterback inside the pocket. And if you pair an outside pass rush with somebody like DeForest Buckner, who, you know, had a career year and all sorts of pressures last year, then then you really are cooking with gas in terms of being being a good defense against the pass. And it can cover up a lot of issues you have in the secondary. And that's how I think the 49ers have to take this next step going into 2019. That's absolutely right. They that's that's a little bit why I'm hesitant on thinking they should drop a bunch of assets into the secondary because perhaps they have good players in their secondary now and we just haven't been able to see it because they can't rush the passer, but uh, that's that's a that's a conversation for a different podcast. They the bottom line is uh, it can it can change your whole defense. You saw what Khalil Mack did for the Bears. Even even in situations where he wasn't getting sacks, you know, disrupting the play, you know, getting the quarterback to throw it too early or or getting him to get off of his spot and throw throw a pass away to avoid a sack. There's just so many things edge rushers can do. And the 49ers defense has played well enough in spurts that they, like you said, could be an edge rusher or two away from from being really, really good with DeForest Buckner inside and then maybe some of their younger pieces on the outside. Yeah, and the 49ers predominantly play zone defense. So what that means, and and teams obviously know that, it's it's a key tenant of that Seattle scheme they run. It's mostly cover three. Um, they'll rotate or they'll switch into man-to-man uh, in third downs, and they'll get a little bit more complicated on, on third downs and things like that. But the basis of the defense is zone coverage, and teams know that. And so when you don't have a pass rush, a quarterback, a good quarterback, is going to know where the soft spots are and where to find their receivers because of those zones are sort of easy to figure out, right? So if you don't have a good pass rush, then it's going to be easy for the quarterback to pick out those spots. If you have to accelerate the quarterback's thinking and processing because you have a really good pass rush, like the Seahawks have had all these years, then you really start to become a tough defense to play against. And the 49ers simply, I mean, they have a, they have a scheme that is contingent. I mean, every every scheme is contingent on pass rush, but just being so reliant on zone defense means that you really, really need a pass rush, maybe a little bit more than man to man, because your secondary, your, your guy, your defensive backs aren't going to be sticking to receivers, you know, like they would in man to man. So, 
it just it it just for the 49ers especially I mean we we can't really say it enough they just have to improve the pass rush if if they're going to get to where they want to go um so why don't we look at I mean there there are four real obvious uh defensive end targets um that probably aren't going to become available to the 49ers because it's such a premium position and teams you know if you have a really good defensive end and that guy's about to hit free agency he's either going to get a new deal or if not he's going to get the franchise tag so there are four guys that we think fall fall into that category there's demarcus lawrence of the cowboys who's probably not going to spring loose uh jadavion Clowney, the former number one overall pick of the texans uh frank clark of the seahawks and d4 to the chiefs um these guys are are in all likelihood not going to hit the free agent market and and i think the 49ers would love to throw a ton of their cap space at at any of those four guys, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Similar to how it was last year with Ziggy Ansa of the Lions and, and Lawrence, who was given the franchise tag last year. These guys just aren't going to hit the open market. They're like quarterbacks, right? That that's that's <laughs> that's really what what it comes down to with free agency is it's so tough to look at the top because top receivers like sometimes top receivers come available and they can be signed and same thing with top cornerbacks or pick another position, but quarterback and edge rusher, are just not positions that teams are going to, are going to let players walk. That's where you're going to spend top dollar to, to keep those guys around. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're building a team and, and you're under salary cap restrictions, there are some positions, like you said, uh, receiver or maybe linebacker or maybe safety where teams can find replacement level players in the draft or, you know, somebody else that they, uh, that they acquire in free agency. Uh, uh, there's not a huge drop off in terms of top tier talent to maybe a good player, but there is on the edge and there is a quarterback. And, and, you know, it's really one of those premium positions when you talk about pass rushing defensive ends that you can't really limit in terms of value to your roster. Um, so that's why these, these guys never or rarely become available to true franchise altering defensive ends. So that's why we think the 49ers are probably going to use their first round pick number two overall, or maybe if they trade down uh, on an edge rusher, just because it's so hard to find really the defense altering players uh, in free agency. But we have a few listed and maybe they're not, you know, elite names like Lawrence Clowney, Clark and Ford, um, but they are likely to hit the open market and the 49ers are going to have, you know, upwards of 60 million in cap space more than likely. And they will be able to, to to get some of these guys who probably aren't going to get the franchise tag. So Kyle, why don't you start us off with the first name? I think the other thing to to keep in mind as we go through these names is this is a supplement to what the 49ers are going to do in the draft. They still probably need to take an edge rusher number two and then maybe even another one later in the draft. So that's that's just something to keep in mind as we go through these names. Like Chris said, these aren't these aren't players that we think are are going to be total game changers for the 49ers, but can be with some with some additional help uh, with, with a premium draft pick. The first name we have on our list is Anthony Barr of the Vikings. He had 55 tackles. He had three sacks a season ago. He was very he was pretty good as a rookie. He had four sacks and he turns 27 in March. The kind of former first round pick who hasn't quite lived up to that first round billing but he's been just a really solid player on a very good Vikings defense for the last several years yeah and probably somebody you can just slot in at that Sam linebacker right away 
uh, in base downs. And then if you want, you could sort of have him platoon as a pass rushing defensive end. Um, and he's never really been, you know, a cup in, in terms of the sack numbers, like you mentioned three sacks last year. Uh, you know, you, you look at his advanced metrics and his grading on pro football focus in 2015, he had a 90.4 pass rush grade uh, and just 27 pressures, 18 hurries, four sacks, five quarterback hits. He wasn't used very often as a pass rusher right. in the in the Vikings defense, and, and they used him primarily as an off-ball guy who blitzed. I think the 49ers could could slot him into that Sam, Sam spot where he would set the edge in, in running downs, and then maybe they, they move him down to defensive end in sub packages where maybe he could fully realize and, and maybe be a better fit uh, than he was with Minnesota where he had, you know, a career high four sacks as a rookie. I think he could, he could possibly be a seven or eight sack guy for in a scheme like the 49ers run where he would be a linebacker in base downs and then, and then a true pass rushing defensive end um, because he's a pretty efficient player, just according to, you know, pro football focuses grading, and somebody, you know, he, he'll he probably be one of the more expensive players on this list because he's going to be 27 next season and he's a former first round pick. But I, I think if, you, if you're looking at really upgrading your linebacking group and adding some versatility to, the, to your defensive front and somebody who can rush the passer off the edge, I think Anthony Barr would make a ton of sense. Uh, the one thing you would have to consider is if the 49ers really like Josh Allen from Kentucky, I think right. those are very similar players. So, you know, if they want to go with, with Allen at number two in the draft, then maybe you wonder if Barr is, is a little too redundant or they're, they're, those skill sets are a little bit overlapping just in terms of positional value and, and how you want to construct your roster and allocate all this, all this money uh, under the salary cap. Are you going to have Barr and Allen um, on your roster for the next you know, four or five years as expensive players? Um, because, you know, I'm, and they could both be defensive ends and sub packages. So maybe that eases the blow a little bit and that's really where their value comes down to. Um, but they're both these sort of Sam linebacker type players, uh, that can, that can do a little bit of both. But as I said, I mean, versatility is super important and, and to have two guys like that, maybe that could really help the defense. Yeah. If they, if they wind up signing bar, how they attack the draft becomes very, very interesting. If Nick Bosa goes number one. Yeah, maybe they become more likely to trade down um, and look yeah. for for that that bigger that bigger defensive end. You know, someone maybe like Cleveland Farrell or or Montez Sweat or somebody like that because they'll have the more athletic, uh, lighter guy in, in Bar. Uh, but the next guy on our list is is sort of uh, he, he's a bigger defensive end. He's obviously at a different stage in his career. It's Brandon Graham of the Eagles, and the Eagles are not going to have the cap space to bring him back, it looks like, unless they make some major adjustments. Um, He's going to be 31 in April. Uh, He didn't have a great year this last season in terms of overall sack production, but he had nine and a half sacks in 2017, and he made the game-winning strip sack of Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52. A really good veteran player, a bigger defensive end, who I think could be a really positive influence on somebody like Solomon Thomas. Uh, probably not going to be terribly expensive given where he's at in his career and might be willing to accept a role sort of as a rotational pass rusher. Um, and I just think he would be a good veteran fit, uh, provide depth, uh, could get after the quarterback, ex- experienced. It's hard to see the downside aside from age, 
um, because I think you'll be able to get him at a pretty reasonable price. Yeah, and he's just a just really solid player. I feel like anytime I watch an Eagles game, Brandon Graham is making an making an impact somewhere, and I think he's pretty versatile. He can he can play multiple spots, and I just I I, I think he's the exact type of player that they bring in along with a rookie uh, from the number two spot, and all of a sudden the the edge of their defensive line looks really, really good. Yeah, he had seven games last year where he had at least five pressures. Yeah, uh, according he's to just, Pro Football Focus. And that's, that's really he's, what he's you... He's constantly in the backfield. Yeah, that's really what you'd love to see, um, that type of efficiency from a pass rusher, from somebody in your, in your rotation... Um, and I think he could also play outside and inside and, and provide some versatility to your front. And in some package sub packages, I think he could be your Leo. Um, and so, or a big end possibly, uh, just really strong, a former first round pick 13th overall in 2010 out of Michigan, uh, just a really good player, a positive locker room influence from everything I gather and, and somebody who would be a good depth addition and within the 49ers price price range to be sure. So Kyle, who's next? Next on our list is Shaq Barrett, who's uh, f- uh, played for the Broncos, uh, three sacks, 28 tackles last season. Over the last four seasons, he's had 14 sacks. Really, really interesting player uh, for, for the 49ers and, and a player who hasn't been, I, I feel like his athleticism and what you see when you watch him play doesn't fit the the numbers and the productivity yeah when when you play for the broncos you're stuck behind von miller and bradley chubb right so maybe you're not going to develop like you would in another situation which which might make him an appealing candidate to go to a team with an obvious void at edge rusher uh, depending on how the 49ers utilize that position or how they approach that position in the draft and undrafted guy um colorado state one thing, you know, you, you go back and look at some of his pre, pre-draft pre numbers, and he didn't go to the combine, but he did have a 6.9 second three-cone drill, which uh, which was measured at his pro day, which is in the 81st percentile. And and to me, when you're talking about pass rushers and, and agility drills and testing numbers, I think that three-cone is really probably the most important um, in, in terms of, you know, it, it it tracks your change of direction skills and your explosiveness and all that. And I think, I think Barrett could be somebody with a little bit of untapped potential who might just need a, uh, a change of scenery and opportunity and a chance to, to win playing time. And I think the 49ers going to offer him that. Um, and I, I'd imagine he's probably not going to go back to Denver to, to be a backup for Bradley Chubb and Von Miller again. No, and if he has an opportunity to come to a place like like San Francisco, who conceivably should be competing for a playoff spot next year, and he could come over and start and probably play close to every down, I think that's I think that's something that's extremely appealing to a player like Barrett. Yeah, in twenty fifteen, his first real season in the league, five and a half sacks, forty two tackles. As a 23-year-old, he's missed uh, he's missed only three games in the last four seasons combined. And all that last year was when he was dealing with a hip flexor issue. So I think he could be a, an intriguing candidate just for depth purposes. Somebody uh, sort of similar to the Jeremiah Tauchu signing of last offseason. Not, not someone where you're, you know, you're bringing him in and guaranteeing him a roster spot. You make him win it. But somebody who you could have for depth 
who you know could possibly turn himself into a value valuable contributor um, just based on you know some of the things that that we've seen from him in Denver uh, even though you know he's he's obviously overshadowed by by the star players they have at that position so what why, why don't we take a quick break real quick Hey guys, it's Chris, and like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution. If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, or whatever, it all starts with a good night's rest. Go to MyPillow.com on the f- and click on the four-pack special and enter my promo code COZY, and you'll get two premium my pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping costs, Zippo, Zilch, Nada, and don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There is nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code, COZY, C-O-Z-Y, to get two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com. Again, that's promo code COZY, C-O-Z-Y. So Kyle, the, the next guy on our list is, is somebody that we've talked about going back to last offseason because there, was, uh, there, there were questions about whether or not he was going to get franchised by his team. And he obviously has a connection to the 49ers because of uh, the general manager that drafted him is now a VP of player personnel in Martin Mayhew. And we're talking about Ezekiel Ansa of the Lions, who got the franchise tag last year, $17.1 million fully guaranteed. And he wound up dealing with injuries, uh, did not have the type of season that the Lions were hoping for after giving him that money. He had four sacks, appeared in seven games, uh, and he dealt with shoulder issues throughout the year. And that landed him on injured reserve in December. And somebody who at this stage in his career, he's going to be 30 in May. Uh, a high upside guy with some injury risks, but a guy who's had at least seven sacks in, in four seasons um, and had 12 in, and, you know, as recently as 2017, and he had 14 and a half in 2015. So Ezekiel Ansa could be somebody the 49ers could bring in um, and maybe hope that, you know, he could be healthy and, and live up to the talent that he has and and he could produce like he did in those two seasons after being the fifth overall overall pick out of BYU in 2013. Yeah, and don't forget the ties to new 49ers defensive line coach Chris Kasurik as well, who was the Lions defensive line coach for Ansa's first, I believe, five years in the league. Is my math right there? Uh, yeah, his first five years in the league. So some familiarity there as well. And when Ansa was healthy this year, he was just he was very consistent. Uh, had had at least one pressure in every game. He had weeks 11, 12, and 13. He had four pressures in each of those games, according to Pro Football Focus. So just a really solid, uh, high-quality player who the 49ers could slot in. And that's the he, he is capable of being the game-wrecking type player that John Lynch said that they were looking for when they, when they put together a, a supposedly bigger deal for Khalil Mack than the Bears did. And if if they're going to be really aggressive and go go sign somebody who's available, I think I think Ansa is the guy who who you kind of circle and say, all right, this this they might have to overpay for him a little bit, but he's an impact player. Yeah, and and it might be a situation where we we talk about the 49ers adding multiple players at that position. 
if he's in a rotation, you might mitigate a little bit of that injury risk. And obviously the injury risk is, I mean, that, that could come down to, you know, the decisions the 49ers make in terms of who they hire as their strength and conditioning coach and their, their head coach of physical well-being or whatever the new title is going to be for that new job. Um, that's going to be an important focus. And, and if the 49ers bring in Ansa, obviously that's going to be a really big deal in terms of, you know, keeping him on the field. But if you have, if you add him to a rotation and you're not banking on him to be a guy who plays, you know, 80% of the snaps every week, then maybe you're putting in, putting him in a better position to succeed by, you know, having him play 40 or 50 or 60% of the snaps working in a rotation with Salman Thomas and Eric Armstead um, and a draft pick or however they want to do it. I think there, there's a, there's a world out there where you could get you know, double-digit sacks from Ziggy Ansah just based on talent alone, uh, assuming he can stay healthy if you utilize him the right way and put him in positions to succeed. And I think that, that the 49ers could do that in theory, um, but it's it's a long list of injury issues for him. And and two of the last three years, he's really been his production has been has been zapped by those injuries. And the, the upside is definitely there, but it would be it would be a risky signing to be sure, but one that could pay off with significant upside if he's able to stay healthy. Significant upside is my new band name. Is it? Yeah, I think I think that's a really strong, really what strong would, band name. What would the first name of your album be? Or your first album? Spidergraph. Spidergraph. Okay, <laughs> I like it. If you need a manager, let me know. I know Thanks, all the man. spots. Uh, our first, our first single is going to be called Twitched Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we could we could uh, book, we could get the Dancing Bears to open for you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's move on. Who's next? Uh, Preston Smith uh, of Washington, the Washington professional football team. Can I? Can I real quick? Can I before you dive in here? Yeah. I learned who Preston Smith was today. Yeah. Well, Th- that's a good, thing. Good. <laughs> good, I guess. Um, so and Preston, I'm already in. <laughs> Preston Smith, 24 and a half sacks over his last four seasons. Eight sacks as rookie, four and a half his second year, eight sacks his third year, and four last year. Uh, he's appeared in 16 games in all four of his seasons. He's going to be... 27 in November. So this is a player who's very much in the prime of his career still, uh, has been durable and was the 38th overall pick in 2015. Uh, so a player who came in with some pedigree and I think might end up being, you know, kind of a costly option depending on, I mean, there, there are a whole bunch of questions going on with Washington in terms of how they handle their quarterback situation and all of that. And maybe Preston Smith is someone they want to bring back but he might be somebody who could get more on the open market to a team that uh, is in a better cap situation that doesn't have questions at quarterback. Um, so Preston Smith, kind of an, an intriguing guy. I admittedly don't know a ton about him either. 6'5", 265 pounds, presumably more of a, a defensive end Leo type, but somebody who I think you could add to rotation. And if you get you know six to eight sacks from him, uh, and you know, that's, that could be a very valuable player and, and maybe a little bit of a, a an undervalued a commodity at, at, you know, free agency next in, in March when that starts. Yeah. And he didn't, uh, yeah, his, his numbers don't jump off the page uh, tradi- with his, with his traditional stats, 
Uh, like you said, eight sacks his first season, four and a half his second season, came back with eight sacks the next year, but then just four this year. But he's been super durable. He's never missed a game. And when it comes to the 49ers edge situation, if they can get a player who can start uh, see normal time in the rotation and come up with six and a half, seven sacks. That's enormous for, for this defense. Totally agree. So let's recap our list. We got Preston Smith, Ziggy Ansa, Shaquille Barrett, Brandon Graham, and Anthony Barr. And those are the guys that we think could be realistic possibilities just because the Niners are going to have enough cap space to, to really match competitive offers for those guys. If, if those are guys they want the guys who we think, more than likely are not going to be available on who are going to get the franchise tag or, or sign monster deals with their current teams to Marcus Lawrence, Jadavian Clowney, Frank Clark, and D Ford. Um, but if any of those guys were to spring free and there are questions about the Cowboys because they have a ton of guys they have to pay going forward. They have to pay Zeke Elliott. They have to pay Amari Cooper. Uh, Dak Prescott is due for, for a second contract here. Um, the Cowboys might be up against it. I'm thinking, and all indications are they're going to at least give, give Lawrence a franchise tag, but if somehow they don't, maybe he's somebody the 49ers go after. And any four of those guys really are going to command, you know, something like 20 million a year, uh, which is going to be a lot. And it's going to be a lot for the 49ers considering they're already paying Jimmy Garoppolo and they're going to have to pay DeForest Buckner at some point. And I would imagine Buckner might cost in that range of 20 million a year, depending on whatever he signs. Uh, But I think that's it. You have anything else you want to add? No, I don't. I don't think so. This is just going to be the most important position. This offseason is huge for the 49ers, but how they address the edge position is, is going, I think to make or break their, their offseason. If for some reason they don't go that route with the number two pick and don't wind up with, like two of the top three free agent edge rushers or two of the top five, I guess, then I think it could be, it could be a a pretty long season for the 49ers, but this is, this is going to be the most interesting position to watch both through free agency and in the draft. Totally agree. Uh, We both expect the 49ers to, to add multiple players on the edge. And and when the draft comes, obviously that's going to be a huge topic of discussion Fortunately for us, it is only January, late January, uh, this time next month. It's crazy to think that the combine is a month away, but we got another month before the combine uh, and then free agency comes in, in early March. And then we have the draft at the end of April. So we will have plenty of time to dive into all of this stuff. But if you didn't listen to our uh, our free agency preview for receivers from last week, feel free to go do so. I think we hit on some good stuff there. Uh, we are going to take the rest of the week off because I'm going to be in Phoenix going to the Waste Management Open, a little bit of vacation. Um, and we'll, we will try to hit a new, uh, a new free agency topic next week. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review to, Sanf- to Candlestick Chronicles wherever you listen to your podcast. We are on the Blue Wire Network. We want to thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your week.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.